this. Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all over the world. Uh, and my guest today, I'm very excited to introduce, is Nicole Colson. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hello, Rob. Thank you. Uh, some of you guys may know Nicole from Instagram as Type 1 Nicole. Uh, that's where I met her. And I'm really excited to uh, tell, tell your story. And I think you have a lot of things that people are going to be really interested in. Awesome. I'm excited to share. So let's uh, just kind of give a little background. Um, I know your diagnosis story specifically is uh, very interesting. So um, <laughs> I know a lot of people, um, and, and I think a lot of guests recently especially, have told amazing stories about um, and really eye-opening stories about misdiagnosis. So um, why don't you just give us the, uh, the day one story, the type one Nicole story? Absolutely. So... Um, I was actually in college. I had just started my junior year, and it just wasn't that fall. Just wasn't starting super well. Um, I was just constantly exhausted. My skin just all of a sudden got super dry. Um, and then the classic. I was constantly going to the bathroom, and I'd wake up three to six times a night. And I was like, okay, this isn't just like old lady waking up to go to the bathroom, like. Something's going on. Um, and each time I would get up, I would go to the kitchen, I'd grab a glass, and I would just down water. And it's just this vicious cycle. Um, and then I noticed in class, my vision, I was having a hard time. So in the classes that I could, I'd, you know, I'll, maybe I'll sit closer to the front. You know, maybe I just need to sit closer to the front. I'll try to go home one weekend and see the eye doctor, maybe. Um, I wear contacts and glasses. So I kind of went back and forth, started swapping those. And no point did I ever think that all these things connected or that I should put them together. Um, then I got an infection and I just was miserable and it had been about two weeks and I was just trying to treat it myself and it wasn't working. So I lived, my hometown was about an hour and a half away from college. So um, I headed out early one Friday and went to see my family doctor that I'd seen for years. And the very first thing they did was a urine test and he came back in and his southern Alabama accent, and he was kind of like having this uncle, so he was super sweet, and he scooted over and put his hand next to me, and I was like, why are you, why are you looking like that? What's going on? And he said, well, um, 
the nurse is going to come in and she's going to prick your finger. And I was just said, oh, okay, well, why? <laughs> and he said, so I explained that I had over a thousand cc's of sugar floating in my urine, which meant absolutely nothing to me at that point. Right. I just looked at him very confused and puzzled. And, um, and that's when he told me he thought that maybe I had type 2 diabetes. So right so off the was, bat, he sort yeah. of just assumed, I mean, just from the urine test, not even, hadn't checked your blood sugar at that point? No, he hadn't. Not at all. So just kind of right off the bat, just giving you the type 2 diagnosis. And like junior year of college, I'm going to assume like the traditionally you were like 21 years old? Exactly. I was 21. Yeah. So then now, he, as soon as he said that, I kind of looked at him confused. He said, well, we're going to test your blood sugar next. And then, so the nurse came in, and I was right at about 300, um, and that was kind of late afternoon, so it had been a while since I'd eaten lunch. Um, and then he said, okay, I will, uh, I'm going to send over to the hospital to have, for you to have some labs Saturday morning, so, you know, we needed to wait so I could fast. And so we did labs. I don't even remember <laughs> what all he did or any numbers. I just remember him calling me and saying, okay. You know, the blood work confirmed my suspicions. You have you have diabetes type 2. He said, I've already called the pharmacy for you. Um, and I called him. He called me. I think it was metformin was the first one. And then a glucose meter. Um, and I think I went back to school that same day because I just had so much homework. <laughs> and I remember being super scared to prick my finger. I'm just a scaredy cat when it comes to needles. So actually my roommate was a champ. And... <laughs> She tested my sugar for me for the first two weeks, and then she went home for a weekend. And she's like, all right, you got a woman up here. And so at that point, I started, you know, testing myself. Um, and so that was junior year, fast forward to end of my senior year, and I've been doing the little bit he told me to do on my own. Um, and I felt like a tiny, tiny bit better, but overall, I was still having all the same symptoms. Um, and I wasn't really sure what I was supposed to do because I was still seeing high blood sugars, but didn't know what to do with them. Um, and so I moved after I graduated and I was like, okay, let me find a specialist. Um, of course, they're hard to get into. Um, so I found a family doctor first. And around that time, I found this article about this lady. She was from Boston and she was diagnosed as an adult with type 2. And then come to find out, like, it was wrong. She was in what was called a honeymoon stage, which again was all new to me at that point, when she was genuinely type one. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if this is me? And then listening to some of the details of her story, like it just felt like I was reading my story without really knowing it. Um, and so I went to the family doctor and he was like, no, don't worry about that. You're fine. You have type two. You just need to do things better. So let's put you on the Atkins diet. <laughs> And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> I suck at diets. Um, and so I did some reading, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this because I want to feel better. And I can still remember that night at dinner. We, I went out with friends, and I ordered this big Caesar salad, and it came to the table, and there was no dressing on it. And I just remember it smelled foul. Like, it smelled like something in this bowl was, like, rotten. And I just started crying. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> my friends were like, what's going on? And I was like, I just can't do this. I don't feel good. And now I'm supposed to eat this way. 
and the food is horrible. I just want to feel good, and I don't know what's going on. So, um, and it was a little bit after that that I finally got in with, she was actually a brand-new endocrinologist um, that I heard about. And my first appointment one-on-one with her was an hour and a half long, and it, like, blew me away. Uh, No, not her. I'm getting the story backwards. I haven't met her yet. My first endo was weird. (laughs) He just was kind of like, yeah, you have type 1. And I said, okay, sure. He goes, but I can't give you anything or do anything about that until I run blood tests. So he said, come back in three weeks. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Yeah. I had no idea at that point how dangerous that was. Um, I look back and just thank God all the time that I did not go into DKA at that point. Um, so I'm just hanging out with high blood sugars, waiting for this doctor to tell me what to do. And I walked in and sure enough, he's like, okay, I got the blood work. You have type one and the nurse is going to come in. And she came in and it wasn't like a sit down, talk through. She literally gave me this donkey bag. It was like a lunch bag like paper lunch bag, and it had a couple of vials of insulin, some syringes, um, and she's like, here's just some stuff until you can get your prescription filled. There's a note in there from the doctor of um, how much she wants you to take and when. Got any questions? And at that point, I was like, I, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I do. I, I don't know. And I just was sent out. And all of a sudden, now I'm a type of diabetic. <laughs> So after all that time, like, you know, a year and a half, maybe, or a year, almost a year gone by and of not feeling better, like, what were you going through? I think emotionally, like, you had to have a lot of questions and, like, frustration. And, like, you talked about, you know, breaking down over a Caesar salad. Um, you know, how, what was that like for you? Like, um, and, you know, talking with your family and, and, like, talking with your doctor as well, like, it had to yeah. be frustrating. It was, I almost, it was almost like this kind of numbing, clue, like being clueless kind of stage where I just, I had no idea. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone with diabetes, so I didn't know what questions to ask or who to ask. Or uh, I just was super confused until right at the end when I started to kind of look things up online, which even back then, 13 years ago, there wasn't near as much, you know, as there is out there now. Um. You had to kind of dig at that point. But, yeah, just just confused, um, mostly, and just feeling like I'm failing, but I don't, I don't know what to do to succeed either. Right. So you find, so now you've been to, you've had your doctor who's told you you're type 2. You've gone to a type 1 that doesn't really get, or a, an endocrinologist who at least diagnosed you right, but it really didn't give you that much stuff to go on. No. And, and so then you go and you find your next endo. Um, and how, how much time had passed at that point? This had been a, um, a year, about a year and a half. And so this was the lady that was great. She spent about an hour and a half with me my first visit. She literally examined me from head to toe, asked me detailed questions that I've never been asked before. So I'm like stumbling because I'm not expecting her to ask any questions that She's asking for logs and number, and I'm like, I don't, I don't have any stuff you want, because I, I that was never expected at my previous doctor. Um, but I also asked her for a pump because I had learned about the pump, and my previous doctor told me no, he was old school and he didn't like pumps. And she said, absolutely, let's get a pump. 
And so that's where a pump came into the picture. So, so now, so you, you've already, like, how did you feel? Like, when you got the right mix of medicine, the right prescriptions, like insulin, obviously, did you, did you, do you remember that moment where you're like, whoa, like, how much better do you feel from this? Or, um, you know, you finally were able to get your blood sugar under control. What was that like? Um, I was still high at that point. I was feeling better just because I, I could feel like I found a doctor that was listening and a doctor that, like, she completely intimidated me, but I felt like she knew her stuff. Um, a doctor that, when I said I wanted a pump, like, completely said, okay, great, and trusted me and did it, you know, just shut me down and, like, I was wrong. I didn't deserve a pump. Kind of helped up my last doctor. So it was very comforting. Um but I still personally just felt very foreign to it. I did, I couldn't figure out how still to connect, even though I had a much better doctor. Um, I couldn't figure, and my A1C at that point was still like 9 and 10, um, and she would always be like, you've got to get this down, you've got to get this down. But it, it's like as soon as I stepped out of the doctor's office, I didn't know what to do. I felt like I just sucked at carb counting, um, I would eat and then be like, oh, dang it, I didn't bolus. And so then I'm bolusing after, which is just a mess, trying to keep up with things. Um, and I stayed that way for probably about close to 10 years. And just that kind of numb, not really knowing, not knowing other diabetics, um, and just not knowing how to, like, make that first big step to make a really big change in the diabetes. So... I want to focus on something that you said a few minutes ago um, when you were talking about uh, discussing with a friend about the misdiagnosis story and how like you just lit up knowing like you heard your own story in that other person because I I had a recent experience. I, I had, I was not misdiagnosed, but I've talked to a few people who were very recently. So it was sort of top of mind for me. And I was at a happy hour uh, for our young adults, your young active adults with diabetes um, I think it's called Yada. So young active or young active diabetic adults. That's what it is. So, um, JDRF puts it together and, um, and our, one of my guests, Tanya Konovalov is like the outreach manager. Anyway, it's a great uh, little event and we had a little time there. And one of the guys who was there has been type one for like 35 years and his brother just, um, who was like in his forties just started having some type one symptoms and he was diagnosed as a type two. And so they were having this discussion. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm inviting him to the type one nation event so that he can like learn more and like spend some time around some other diabetics because I think he's a type one and his doctor, I think is, is just doesn't know the difference. And Hmm. so I was telling him about some of the stories of the people who I've talked to and who've been on the podcast. And he was like, oh my gosh, like that's exactly what is going on with him. Like he had, he got uh, prescribed metformin, like his doctor thinks he's type two, but he can't get his blood sugar down and he doesn't have good energy. And he just doesn't know where to go. And so I think that story, like the, the importance of that, like the community aspect, like you said, you didn't have anybody around that was type one. So when did it change for you? Cause uh, you know, I want to talk as you, as you've gotten more involved in the type one community and, um, and connected to other people, what difference has that made for you, uh, after that 10 years where you were sort of wandering around in the dark and didn't really know where to go? Yeah, I think the big breaking point for me was probably about three years ago. My husband and I started talking about kids and, um, you know, we, we 
are super excited to adopt one day, but also, you know, talking about what if what if we have a child biologically? And my husband is just super scared of what that looks like for diabetes. And so I started doing some research, and I found this book online uh, called Balancing Pregnancy with Preexisting Diabetes. And there's one author, but she takes stories from all of these type 1 women, and it just fills the book. And I was, I was just blown away. I was like, wow, there are all these other people. And even though I wasn't pregnant at the time, like just normal everyday stuff that just seemed, made, made so much sense. And I just started applying and, I just, you know, cause at this point it was like, I can't just do this for myself because if we're talking about a child, like my body for nine months will be the home and where a child will grow. And I just need to make that change. And I just started connecting, and um, then I just got online, and I was like, all right, hashtag diabetes, hashtag type 1. And I started finding all these Instagram accounts, and that's where then I made my Instagram account. Um, and I said, you know, I just want to, I want to connect, and I also want to educate. I kind of first started on Facebook, um, just through friends and family, just sharing different things with them, and... But really, when I reached out, that made the biggest difference. I started learning so much just by sharing with others um, and then just always encouraged, even on the, on the bad days, like the days that just you're constantly low and you're doing, you know, you're eating your cabinet, and <laughs> still not going anywhere or just the opposite. And you feel like every breath you take makes your sugar go up, <laughs> like there's sugar in the air today. And just being comforted um, that I wasn't alone and just realizing that other people needed that. They needed to realize that they weren't alone. And I just, I wanted to become a part of that community. And I wanted to be a type one diabetic friend to someone else who didn't know anyone because for so long I didn't. And I've reached out actually here locally as well. And um, my husband is going back to school and there's a Facebook page just for like the women and wives and, and all. And I just went on there and just was like, hey, maybe this is random, but are, are any of you ladies a type 1 diabetic? And uh, one girl responded and I said, hey, well, let's meet and have coffee. And we did. Um, she's on a few of my pictures on Instagram. Um, she's a teacher, so she works a lot during the school year. But in the summer, we work out together in the mornings um, with our pumps on our hip and just checking on each other and we both walk in with, you know, our meter and a <laughs> bottle of water and then a granola bar just in case. Um, and just having that community just instantly made a massive change for me. So for you, and I, and I think a lot of people have had that experience, right? And like the, just the feeling that somebody somewhere is going through the same things as you and, you know, being a type one friend, um, and then, and then I think there are some, and, and you've echoed this sentiment as well in our conversations previously, like certainly there are amazing type ones who are doing awesome stuff like ultra marathons or marathons or mountain yeah. climbing or riding a bike across America, like our yeah. 22 friends are. Uh, and I want to talk about bike beyond here in a minute as well. But um, what about those everyday victories, like celebrating the importance of that? And I think that was something that I wanted to highlight when I started diabetics doing things as well, because some days like the biggest win is just having a high blood sugar, 
treating it get and getting over it and still you know picking the kids up on time from school or making your meeting on time and like killing your presentation or turning something in or mailing a package or picking up groceries like it's just it, this the everyday wins are so big um yeah how are <laughs> you how are you able to to get that across in your in like in your instagram and as well as just in those community groups and like celebrate those things i think it's the easiest place to because I mean, there's no one in my everyday life besides my new friend I've met here that knows. And so when you reach a victory, you can just instantly go online and all of your T1 friends will be like, okay, I had pizza last night and I tried this new crazy combo bolus. And guess what? Like I woke up with a rock and blood sugar. Like this is amazing. And to be able to celebrate that is just, it's awesome. And then if it, or just vice versa, if it didn't quite work, you know, then they can give me other tips, but, um, and just being able to do everyday life and, and get up and I have a low, but I've, okay, I've got to get to work. So I've got to time this right. I don't want to, I don't want to get too much sugar to rush myself and then end up getting at work and being high, uh, you know, and I have a group of friends that we meet weekly and uh, we celebrate each other's birthdays all the time. And so I'm, I'm always the one that bakes cake. And so, you know, they were kind of, oh, it's the, the diabetic is the one <laughs> making cakes for huh. everybody. But I love that. And I don't want to let my diabetes, you know, just because I have diabetes, I don't want to let that stop me from being able to serve people and loving them by making them a cake. That is one of my favorite things to do. I love to bake for people. And I don't want to let my diabetes stop that. Yeah, and I think... First of all, you're talking about cakes, and I just was, my mind was like, oh my gosh, I could, you know, what I could use right now, a cake, you know, just a <laughs> freshly baked diabetic cake with love, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, and I think you you said something to me as we were preparing for the interview, like every day living with diabetes is, you know, to you is is successful. Every every successful day living with type one is is exceptional, yeah. um, and that like. That's something that I think I put in in uh, my in, in on like the website, and it's like, yeah, like we need to celebrate those things and like these communities that have popped up, even the small ones, like even the one friend, and and wow, like what an amazing like. But if you like, so you have a friend now in your real life, in your very in your small like niche of a place where it's just wives of 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 husbands who are going back to college, who's also a type one. Yeah. But you would never have found that person if you hadn't reached out. So talk about some if you're if you're in that position and you say, hey, if you're struggling, you've got to reach out and 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 ask and just get connected. Um, You know, what about what would you say to people who are maybe afraid or hesitating about that? Absolutely. Definitely reach out. Um, I actually just met a second friend as well. Um, I posted that I was going to be going to the JDRF1 Summit that was here, and a follower said, oh, do you live in the area? And I said, yes, I'm coming. And we met in person, um, and she actually texted me last night. She says, I have a diabetes rant, and so you have to put yourself out there. Um, Same thing if she hadn't reached out to me. And I have to say, don't be scared, because it's going to be the most welcoming, non-judgmental community. Because... It is. Everyday life is so hard. Going to school and facing the judgments of your peers or going to work. I constantly get comments and judgments at work. There's this one lady that sits next to me every day that's like, eating. can you eat that? Why are you taking your meter out? 
are you okay? Are you sick? What's going on? <laughs> and she just, I just call her my food judge. <laughs> and I ended up finding this meme and it's a picture of Phoebe from friends. And it says, if you ask me one more time, if I can eat this, I'm going to punch you in the face. And so I put it up at my desk where everyone can see it. Yes. And I love even that. The food judge. <laughs> um, but just making it through, through the day and, um, through the comments and then at work it'll get super busy and my cgm is screaming at me and my coworker's like are you okay and i'm like i'm okay i just i'll be okay i just need to get through this phone call and i'll i'll fix it in a minute i'm sorry it's beeping um and i'm not i'm totally not shy at work i do not hide hide it at work one because if i end up in an emergency situation like I want the ladies around me to be like, hey, we know what's going on. We know what to do. You know, this is where her glucagon is. Like, let's fix her up and rock and roll. But definitely reach out and you will be immediately welcomed. And, I mean, you and I, we've not even met in person and we live states away. But, like, there's just an instant friendship. Um, even in public. I'm not shy. But I've seen people, like, man, they have a pump in their hip. And I'll just walk up to them. Hi, I'm Mr. Insulin Pump. I have one as well. I just wanted to come and introduce myself. And I feel like you're just like instant best friends. And it's just because you saw they had an instant pump. Um, yeah, you just like way. instantly Don't have that connection, like m- deeper than you can, like anybody, like any other initiation of friendship or like saying Absolutely. hi to someone. There's, there's no way you can top that. Absolutely. You, you just instantly understand their world without even having to share stories or examples. You just know. So I, I want to focus on, and you talked a little bit about it already, but I, I do want to talk about, um, you know, the conversations that you and your husband had when you were talking about having kids, and like, uh, and like you talked about the difference that it made when you really when you found that book, and and talked about all of that. What what and also you know with your coworkers and like overcoming predispositions and like creating awareness about what it's really like to. Um, to live with type one diabetes. So what, you know, as you guys were doing that, like what was that process like? And you know, how do you, what would you say to people who um, are thinking about that or are, um, you know, are going through some sort of similar relationship with a coworker or friend about their type one? Absolutely. Um, So first I guess to adjust the, you know, the pregnancy conversation, um, he was definitely way more afraid for me, I told him, I said, for me, I'm not afraid of the diabetes part. I'm afraid of, like, the pain and carrying a baby and labor. Like, I'm way more afraid of that than actual diabetes. Diabetes doesn't scare me. Um, but that book was super helpful. I learned a lot. And I just, I reached out to my endo. Um, and then the healthcare system here has what's called a maternal fetal medicine department. And all they deal with is high-risk uh, pregnancies. And they actually have a program they offer. It's an hour counseling session um, for someone who already knows they have a pre-existing condition that will make them a high-risk pregnancy. And you can go and sit down one-on-one with a high-risk pregnancy physician for an hour. And so my husband and I did that together because he needed it even more than I did. He needed the assurance that, because, you know, he said, I don't want to get a baby just to lose my wife. Um and so he, you know, he assured me and uh, he assured my husband that I was okay and I was going to do great. And by this point, I had actually lowered my A1C to six, which was 
the first time in 13, well, at that point, 12 years that I'd ever done that. I'd, I hadn't even reached seven before until 12 years. Um, and as I, as I started taking charge and just becoming so much more involved in the TMB community, that gave my husband strength. He's like, she's rocking it. She's got it. She's going. All the doctors are giving us clearance. We're good to go. Um, we're waiting on the financial part to help out, but right. you know, he just was confident. Um, but, and then on your second question to work, I just never miss an opportunity to speak up. Um, if, if someone makes a comment about something that I'm eating, I'll say, well, actually, do you know, you know, this is the amount of carbs in this food. And I always explain, I always give a simple sample, or sorry, a simple example, just to say, do you realize how much carbs are in bread? And just try to help them understand that a carb versus a sugar, because so many that aren't in our world, they just see sugar and they don't understand carbs. Like, okay, they look at the spaghetti and there's like, there's no sugar in there, so she can have it. Actually, that big bowl of spaghetti could do me in because it's filled with so many carbs. So I'm constantly seeking to educate um, the lady who I call my food judge. <laughs> I'd given a speech on type 1 diabetes. I just printed it out one day and said, hey, would you want to read this? I know you've taken interest in diabetes, which really doesn't really take much of an interest. She's offered up her judgments. But so I gave it to her and she came back to me. She was like, wow, I didn't even know any of that. And I said, I know. I was like, it's 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 a whole new world, right? She was like, yeah. And she still makes her comments, but it actually it helped a little bit. She her comments aren't so direct, and there aren't as many anymore. So I think you just definitely got to reach out and be honest. I love what you said about never missing a chance to speak up, yeah. um, because sometimes that's the most like that's the most the thing we're most afraid of, right? Um, yeah. I think they talk about the number one fear amongst people is public speaking, but then you throw in something that you care about and something, you know, very, very deeply personal. And at that point, you know, it's, it's maybe the most scary thing someone's done, but at the same time, you get the most out of that after you have a chance to take someone like your, uh, like your food judge and, <laughs> and say, you know what, you have a chance to educate and a chance to create awareness and to teach them about what, you know, other type ones are going through and the difference between carbs and sugar, because that's not a diabetes problem. That is a, you know, just general, you know, don't even get me started on big food and their, uh, and their conspiracy against carbs and sugar to tell them, <laughs> right. that, tell them that they're okay. But like uh, people don't know any better. And we talk about that a lot. Like most everyone's awareness on type one diabetes is very low until they're diagnosed or someone near them is diagnosed. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about low and high blood sugar stories. So you and I both, uh, we were kind of on both ends of the spectrum going into the interview. You were coming yeah. down from a high. I had to chug a Coke can real quick because I'm all out of uh, all of my organic juice here at the house. So uh, <laughs> to bring myself up. So hopefully we're about to meet in the middle. Um, you mentioned that you had a kind of crazy traveling low blood sugar story. So let's hear it. Yes. Um so I was actually engaged to my husband at the time, and we were in Guatemala on a mission trip. And it was pretty late in the evening, and we had like this big house that our team was staying in, and him and some of the guys had gone outside, and they just had some crazy local fireworks, and um, they had bought some, and they're outside and setting them off, and it was getting late, and I, I was like, man, like, all these people are like, okay, that 
the you know the mission team over there they're keeping us up they're being so rude you know like we're there to serve and show compassion and i'm just thinking we are annoying the crap out of these people <laughs> it's late at night you're setting off these fireworks and so i went out to the balcony and apparently shared with them my thoughts and that they should come in i i thought i was fine and that i said everything with a fine tone and um i apparently shared my opinion with the others that were back in the house with me and so my fiance, when they came back in, one of my friends said, hey, dude, uh, you might want to go check on your girl. And he's like, what do you mean? He said, she's a little, like, angry. Like, I've never seen her angry. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with her. It's really weird. Like, she's just mad. And so my fiance came in. He's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm fine. You, you know, what's going on? Did y'all stop your fireworks? And he's like, yeah. And he said, test your blood sugar. And I said, why? Well, you know, you're going to go to bed soon, so maybe you should just do, go ahead and do your nighttime check. And I was like, okay. And so I checked it, and I was like in the 40s. And I, it hit me then. It just instantly hit me. And I was like, that's what just happened. That's why that upset me so much. And that was the first time that actually my husband and I or my fiance at the time had experienced a low and just how it affected my emotions and um, <laughs> me verbally and my attitude. Um, and so, and then for a lot of our friends that were with us, they had never seen me do that before. Um, so it was pretty comical. And once I kind of calmed down and treated like we were able to laugh about it and still laugh about it today that, you know, well, it's funny. Like, uh, <laughs> My girlfriend will tell you the same th- this as well. It's hard to tell me something when my blood sugar is really low, or like any. It's hard to tell me anything about my diabetes, but because um, I'm my I instantly get defensive, kind of like you did. You're like, well, I don't need to check my blood sugar. I'm in control, and I'm kind of like yeah. that as well. But the other day, I had a very bad low myself, and it was early in the morning, so uh, it was just kind of a weird overall situation. Weird morning. Like I kind of was just being sassy and not really listening, and. Uh, <laughs> And she had a very similar remark. I was kind of rude. And then she's like, will you test your blood sugar just to see what it is? And yeah, I had a very similar, like right in the 40s. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, whoops, sorry. (laughs) And it's such a rare reaction for me. I don't do that with every low. Right. And there's no pattern like sometimes. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. I'm just, I'm cool. And so you never know like what's going to make it, (laughs) make it crazy. Yeah. And I think that's what's important about telling people, you know, when you're having a bad day and like being open about that stuff, because there isn't no low blood sugar feels the same. Sometimes I feel like the lowest I've ever felt and I'm like 65, you know, it's like, uh, and then other times like those, those moments you're in the forties or lower or, you know, somewhere in the fifties and you don't feel anything. So talk about that too. Like it just being okay with the, like the inconsistency and the unknown and like still, you know, charging confidently forward. Absolutely. Yeah, you do. You have to learn to just be okay. Um, I personally have found in all the inconsistencies, I found a lot of comfort with getting a CGM. Um, And my CGM was actually, I feel a huge tool in getting my A1C down to six. And actually this year I got it to 5.8. I'm back up to 6.1, which I'm still really proud of that. Yeah, that's, that's what mine is. I am ecstatic. So good for you. Yes. (laughs) And so um, it really just gives me a lot of comfort um, 
because I, I think if we allow ourselves to dwell on it, it can get scary. Like, you know, what if, what if tonight I just, I don't feel my will and I don't wake up, you know, cause sometimes I wake up, I feel like I wake up pretty quickly and other times I don't. And even there's times where I wake up and I'm like, okay, am I just groggy or is it, are my feelings because I'm low? I really struggle with that when I wake up because I always have a funny feeling when I wake up normally anyway, just kind of like groggy and like tired and weak. And, and I'm like, okay, so is this feeling that I'm just like really exhausted and I can't wake up or am I low? And it's like, I have to kind of come to you and like, focus in my body like okay what are you feeling what's going on and that's like oh yeah grab your meter (laughs) grab your Dexcom check out what's going on um yeah I think you just you have to be okay that 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 number is going to fluctuate I mean we do want control we don't want to just be happy with it looking like a roller coaster Um, but you have to allow yourself some freedom and some forgiveness and know that Every day, no matter if you, even if you eat the same thing every day, the stress of the day, sometimes I feel like the heat or the temperature of the day, um, all of that's going to affect your blood sugar. And so you just have to be okay and be flexible and allow yourself to like be okay with that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You got to be, look at it with like a gentle focus, you know, just don't, yeah. you know, don't go too far one way or the other. Just know it's going to change. Absolutely. Uh, so now you know you're you you've got amazing A1Cs, right? You're 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 under control. You've got you're treating with a CGM and a pump. What are you looking forward to with your type one over the next few years as you look ahead? Yeah. Well, I just want to get more involved locally. Um, RJDRF is actually talking about starting a young adults program as well. So I'm super excited about that. And um, actually coming up this summer, I know. You've talked a little bit about um, Bike Beyond Type 1. They're actually coming through my city. And um, so I'd kind of seen on my website, they're like, hey, check, us, check out our, you know, our stop. People come into your city because um, we're looking for someone to hang out with us each city and help us out. And so I reached out a while back and, um, you know, didn't really hear anything. So I thought, oh, well, I got a um, call probably about three weeks ago from one of the riders. And he's like, hey. You know, we're coming to your city, and we would uh, love to work with you. And so I'm going to serve as their community host here and uh, going to find host homes for all of them to stay in that night. And I'm working on planning uh, a dinner, and I work with a large uh, health group that has several hospitals and stuff. So kind of poking around at some different people at work and looking to get them to um, hopefully help sponsor the dinner and it was kind of funny because the lady called and was like, so what are, you, what are you thinking about feeding them? Like, I mean, like, are you wanting a buffet? Are you wanting, like, you know, pizza? And I was like, no, definitely not pizza. <laughs> and so I just kind of shared with her, you know, what what I thought would be, like, a great meal for them. But I'm super excited. So we've been talking back and forth. And I really feel like this is going to give me an opportunity here and just to – out more about type one um, which is the whole purpose of why why they're doing this ride themselves um, and so I feel like by them coming here it gives me an opportunity to do that same thing right along with them I've even reached out to a few people on my medical team um, who are going to host some bikers as well which I think is really cool 
Um, so I'm super excited about that. But I just want to continue, um, just continue in community and continue being um, being a friend to all the other type ones. Um, I posted yesterday just about some things about frustrations with work and what people say. Um, and a girl actually commented about she really struggles at school. Um, and she said sometimes, you know, they just, they laugh at me, they mock me. And like that just broke my heart. And I just, I wanted to like reach through Instagram and give her a hug and be like, all right, I'm going to give you a hug. And if I can, I'd go to school with you and be like, look, she's cool. Like this is okay. And, um, I just want to continue doing that and then just grow here locally um, and then fight. <laughs> I continue to fight the dumb stereotypes. I even posted today um, on my Facebook page, which I rarely use Facebook much anymore, about the Starbucks unicorn um, frap <laughs> that some people are calling, you know, the diabetes frap or right. diabetes in a cup. And so there was definitely some interesting conversation today about that um, and just you know, to educate, because a friend of mine, another, the team one friend that I just met, she was frustrated by it as well. She's like, so should I respond or should I not? And just like I said earlier, I told her, I always take the opportunity to respond because it's a moment to educate and to correct one more person's misconceptions. Well, I think too, like, (laughs) no matter if you're type one, type two, or just like a regular person, that is high blood sugar in a cup. It is. No matter way you slice it, that is just pure purple and green sugar or blue or whatever color. (laughs) Right. Unicorn sugar. That's the real secret is unicorns are made of sugar and they come in that cup. (laughs) Yeah. And it's going to affect everybody. In the same vein, like you mentioned it, talking about uh, that girl who's sort of being bullied for her type one and, you know, kids teasing her. Um, If you had one thing, if you could only say one thing to somebody who is struggling or had just been diagnosed, uh, you know, what would you say? I would definitely say it's not all about your doctor. Because I relied for so long on my doctor to help me have that, like, aha moment and to help me connect with my diabetes and make that change um and i think for most especially as an adult and not having near as much onset of education and involvement from my health team you just have to you have to reach out um connect with the t1 community they will pull you through it they will help you have that aha moment you're like oh i get it and now i can move forward and i can do this and it'll be okay um, so just, yeah, don't rely on your doctor. I mean, obviously they're important, but if you base everything you do on your doctor, you know, reach out, you know, expand your type one community, you know, have your endocrinologist and, and have your diabetes educator, but also have a, have a type one friend, even if it's one that's online a country away that you can just share advice, you can share rants together. So definitely reach out beyond your um, healthcare team. Yeah, and I think it's never been easier, right, to connect with somebody else with type 1. Absolutely. There's never been more ways to do that. So, yeah, I mean, just as simple as asking. But you can't get that unless you reach out. So um, just like we talked about earlier, like, don't be silent. Be heard. No, exactly. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, it was great to finally like hear your voice and and, uh, and like see your face via Skype. 
and yeah. um and you know connect with you like you said like i feel like we have so much in common we've known each other for a while but this is uh right. this is great <laughs> to actually you know get to know you Right. It um, was great. Thank you so much. I, we know you're on Instagram as type one, Nicole, uh, the number one. So T Y P E the number one and Nicole and O N I C O L E. Um, so, uh, we will definitely include a link to that in the show notes. Um, any parting words, uh, before we, uh, before we end the uh, interview? Um, just to say you guys got it. Like it'll be okay. Reach out and that will give you the strength to push through. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.